We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back to the Yin's No Ball podcast. I am John Ledger. With me is Brad Spielberger. We promised we would get you one more episode this week. And so, despite the odds, we are getting it done here on a Friday, getting you this preview for this Steelers-Browns game. And it's a good thing we waited, Brad, because if we had done it Wednesday, I don't think we would have known that Deshaun Watson is out for the season. And uh, so the Browns falling on hard times again, and it looks like Dorian Thompson-Robinson is going to start this week against the Steelers. What deal has Mike Tomlin made with the devil for this lock to continue to go the Steelers' way? Even beyond that, if we waited until Thursday before last night's game, we also wouldn't know that the following game, they might also get Jake Browning instead of Joe Burrow with the Cincinnati Bengals. That one we don't know for sure yet. Uh, I think Ian Rapport said that it, like that's not necessarily where it's trending. They're actually fairly optimistic about Joe Burrow. But anyway, um, yes, the deal with the devil that Tomlin has made, the voodoo magic that he has going on simply cannot be understated. Uh, it's truly remarkable. And getting into Dorian Thompson-Robinson, you just asked me, was his game in week four against Baltimore the lowest graded game of the year per PFF? It was bottom 10, but P.J. Walker's start two weeks later against the 49ers in week six is the second worst grade of the entire season. And Walker has another game in the top 15. So you you asked, why are you even traveling? Why are they starting DTR? Some context behind that Ravens game. Yes, he had three picks, five turnover-worthy plays, had a... Our favorite stat ever, I think, that you just pointed out of uh, 3.23 average time to throw with an average up a target of 3.4 yards beyond the line of scrimmage, which is truly remarkable to do. Almost borderline impossible to pull that off. However, he was told on Friday he was starting against the Baltimore Ravens uh, in a Sunday game. So we'll give him some grace. He was great in the preseason. He's a good athlete. And I think the reason why is there's just more upside there. See what you have. You might as well. Uh, we know what PJ Walker is at this point, and, and it's not a particularly great quarterback. I agree. I'd start Thompson Robinson as well. Um, see what he's capable of. His start against Baltimore, as you said, you added the context. It's important to consider one of the worst starts I've seen from a quarterback, just in terms of watching him play. I was like, man, this guy is all over the place. There is talent there, like arm talent and athleticism. You know, he could definitely work his way into a few plays. There were plays in the preseason. He played pretty well. Um, won the QB two job, I believe, in preseason. And then yep. lost it when he played this game in real life. And so it's not a great sign, I would say, for him, just that, that that's the only performance we have to go on. And so, like, we're not going to make too much of it, but we're also, you know, the Steelers need to win this football game. They can't lose. You know, Nick Chubb, no Deshaun Watson. Like, and ultimately, I will say this about Watson. He's played horrible against Pittsburgh the last two times that he's played against them as a Cleveland Brown. 
I think that needs to be taken into consideration here. It's not like this was an auto win for the Browns. I know people are going to make it seem that way, and I get it. Like Steelers, you know, the luck does go their way. There's no question. And I, I'm sure Watson gives the Browns a better chance to win than Thompson Robinson will. However, the Steelers can very easily lose to Thompson Robinson. I wouldn't be surprised at all. And they could have crushed Deshaun Watson defensively, at least. And I wouldn't have been surprised at all because they've matched up very well with him in the past. And typically quarterbacks they match up well with, think of Lamar over the years, like they continue to match up well with time after time. They kind of have the the answers to certain guys. I don't know that Sean Watson would have had a great game. Browns might have still won that game because I don't know that the Steelers offense will have much success against the Browns defense. But I'm just saying it was no like sure thing or lock to me that the Browns were going to win that game. Not at all. And it should not be taken that way. Yes, he, he was 14 of 14 in the second half against Baltimore. It's the best half of football, football he's played since 2020 or whenever it was the last time he actually played. But yeah, the first matchup between these two teams, uh, Deshaun was 22 of 40 for 235 yards, had a pick, six sacks, I want to say, and a forced fumble that obviously determined the outcome of that game. Uh, so yeah, there was no guaranteed win for Cleveland in this matchup. The thing with DTR you just mentioned, like that's how he was at UCLA too. He is the most boomer bust prospect I think I've watched in a while. He's he was incredibly fun to watch, like a late night Pac-12. Give me some DTR throwing for 400 yards, running for 100 yards, but then also turning the ball over like two, three times a game. It was the best. It was absolutely electric, but not exactly how you win NFL games. But the funny thing you mentioned, the beautiful, sweet, hilarious irony. Yeah, he won the job over Joshua Dobbs. Who the, who the Browns would probably love to have on their roster playing against the team that brought him into the NFL in the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, this weekend. By the way, one more fun to Sean Watson stat. Uh, he has played the Steelers three times, and he's never been sacked less than five times in a game. <laughs> he's been <laughs> sacked 18 times in three games against the Steelers. Mike Tomlin just knows how to beat the guy. Like I, you know, And he's, by the way, lost all three of those games. So, I don't know. Like I, uh, I, I don't know if it would have gone the Browns' way if he did play. So in some ways, no tape on Dorian, or hardly any tape on Dorian Thompson Robinson. You mentioned the upside; like he's gone all over the place. You could definitely see you know being one of those disaster scenario, like you know, sixteen to thirteen wins for the Browns somehow, and short field and Steelers who haven't avoided turnovers all season, commit the turnover and make a mistake and. That's in the cards for this team. Everybody knows that's in the cards for this team. Browns defense uh, will probably dominate this game. They dominated the last time these two teams played. Um, So Pittsburgh's going to have to come out and bring it defensively. It looks like they're going to be without Minka Fitzpatrick, perhaps without Keanu Neal as well. Trenton Thompson could be in line to start defensively for them at safety. Uh, Old draft crush of mine, much very old. It did not work out. I was very much wrong. Um, But this seems like a situation where Pittsburgh is kind of weak in exactly the spots that Cleveland will need them to be weak in order to attack them, even with a quarterback who's pretty new to the fold. For sure. Uh, Yeah, I mean, that game was like, it's so hard to even take lessons from that first matchup. But I, I do think there are mismatches across the board here. I will say, though, I think the biggest thing for me is the new look Pittsburgh Steelers run game, I think can take advantage of, look, a defense that is sixth in the NFL and EPA per rush allowed and top 10 in success rate. However, they're actually second in the NFL in a bad way in missed tackle rate per tackle attempt, like per rushing attempt against them. Um, So they have missed some, some tackles in open space. And I think now with this new look rushing game with a lot of movement, like that was the issue. You're not going to beat this defensive line, I think, with a static game. But now – you know, pulling or running towards Zadarius Smith. I wouldn't really run at Dalvin Tomlinson or Miles Garrett particularly often. Not that Garrett's, like, incredible against the run. He's very, very good. Um, but 
I think the new way they've approached the run game, I think you can actually get to the second level. And look, there's good linebackers and safeties on this team too, but there are ways to exploit this defense, I think, on the ground, you know, that are starting to emerge a little bit. But again, it, it, it is still a clear-cut top 10 unit in, in both coverage and against the run. Yeah, and I mean, when they play to the way that they scheme up pass rush production, uh, probably one of the more fearsome groups in the league, one-on-one, everybody, oh, Miles Garrett didn't have any sacks last time. He killed Dan Moore. I think it's going to happen again. Uh, will they continue to avoid the sack production of giving giving her at sack production? I don't know. Like, I think it's a slippery slope. I think he could have a couple in this game. Um, this is going to be tough. You know, can he continue to get the ball out on time? If there's a quarterback who can react to some of what they've seen recently from the Steelers about them getting out and using timing patterns and him dumping the ball off quickly and trying to do those kinds of things, they could take advantage and perhaps force him into a couple mistakes, knowing some of his tendencies. I think it is Jim Schwartz. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see that. Should be the type of matchup that I would love to see George Pickens and Deontay Johnson take advantage of. I think the ball is less in their court than I'd like it to be in terms of whether they produced in this game. We've just seen Kenny struggle so much getting them to ball the ball, creating explosive plays in the passing game. I don't know how you beat the Browns for, in terms of just looking at your offense against their defense. I don't know how you win that part of the matchup without hitting explosive plays. It just seems like if you're going to try and march a methodical drive on these guys and string plays together, you're going to need your run game to hit as it's been hitting, but also, you know, Cleveland may be a little bit susceptible there, but this is still a good defense. I'm not, I don't buy too much into that. And you're also going to need to avoid negative plays. Pretty hard to do against Cleveland's front, I think. The, the, the set that jumps out to me exactly on that point is, I mean, first, they're, they're number one in the NFL still in just scoring drive rate allowed. But in particular, you break it down to, I was looking at when a, a team starts on their own 40 or in. So basically I was trying to look at offenses, like how good offenses are at actually sustaining a drive, not just scoring off turnovers or scoring off a great punt return, stuff like that. First of all, it goes without saying the Steelers aren't particularly good in that category. But second, uh, the Browns have also allowed the, the lowest scoring drive rate when opponents have to actually go the full field. You know, some of the games where they dig up a lot of points, the Colts game, um, you know, this past Ravens game, it was a lot of short field stuff and turnovers and things of that nature. It was not teams actually sustaining, like you said. Like, eventually you're going to make a mistake against this Jim Schwartz defense. Um, they're 12th in blitz rate. They do uh, some of the most exotic looks you can possibly imagine. They're going to be mugging the A-gaps and, and causing havoc. Um, I mentioned the stunt rate as well. We've talked a lot about Broderick Jones as it relates to stunt rate. We have the Steelers 26th in pass block rate and 23rd in pressure rate allowed facing stunts. Like mm -hmm. You're going to see a lot of twists and games from this team from Jim Schwartz, and, and so far it has caused problems in Pittsburgh. Oh, man. I mean, yeah, it's Browns being fifth in pressure rate this season um, with the amount of ways they're able to get to the quarterback. They will blitz a good bit. Like you said, they don't need to. They can rush with four. Garrick can light up inside, outside. They have other guys that can win as well. Like, it's just a really good group. Like, there's just a lot of – they have a lot of ways to being able to find success as a front, and they have really good defensive coordinators. You know, sim pressure is just such a king right now and being able to bring guys up and who's going, who's not. And force, not only do you have the one-on-one -on -one aspect, but you also have the mental aspect of, of kind of playing games with these quarterbacks, making them understand, trying to understand who's coming, who's not, and making quick decisions out of that, especially if they want to play quick like Kenny does. You've got to be able to process that stuff pretty quickly or you're going to get tip ball at the line of scrimmage. You're going to get a free runner at you. Then you could have a tip ball from a free runner at you as a quarterback. Um, you could throw in, into a dropping uh, line of scrimmage player uh, if you're not careful if you're Kenny. So there's just a lot of areas where I think this matchup is just very bad for Pittsburgh on this side of the ball. It's just as bad for 
Cleveland on the other side of the ball, in my yeah. opinion, almost just as bad. I mentioned the secondary thing, but when Pittsburgh has the ball, there's not a lot of things that I really love about how they're able to attack Cleveland unless the ground game continues to be this bastion of hope for them, which is possible. You know me, I'm very hesitant to put a lot of trust in a ground game to sustain a team, especially when they face good teams, good defenses. I think you just have to be able to throw the football. So while I do think Pittsburgh could move the ball some due to the ground game, I don't think it's going to be overwhelming enough against a really good, a good team, but also a good defense to be able to sustain them to the point where they're putting up points and winning this game with ease. Like, I think it's going to be a struggle. You're either going to need your passing game to step up or your defense will need to make more plays than the Browns defense. Here's the big issue for me. I think if, when you can throw on this defense and again, they're, they're good everywhere, but um, you know, uh, Greg Newsom and Denzel Ward as the outside corners, or if it's Martin Emerson who kicks outside too, like that's not a, an option. Throwing over the middle, attacking a guy like Anthony Walker, who's a good off-ball backer, but coming off a bad injury last year, I don't think has been as good in coverage. Jeremiah Wusakamura is good in coverage. Grant Delpit's good in coverage. Um, you know, they, they rotate some other safeties. Rodney McLeod, the, the Wiley veteran, gets in the mix. They have a bunch of bodies there. But anyway, you can throw over the middle more so than you can to the outside against this team. Unfortunately, the Pittsburgh Steelers and Kenny Pickett do not throw over the middle of the field basically at all. <laughs> uh, so that's that's an issue too. Like I, I don't know if you know anything about Pat Fryermuth. I know his window is open uh, and it was limited on Wednesday. I, I should have checked yesterday, but like that's that, that could be a big should be back. That could that could be that could be huge. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, but but you got to actually do it. I think Tomlin said, indicated at the beginning of the week, he expects him to play. And I don't think there's been any reporting to the contrary. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, he could be a big part of the solution, but really it's not as much about the players to me. It's about the scheme and the quarterback, like combination of the two. Don't attack the middle of the field nearly enough. That is exactly where you'd want to against Cleveland. I don't know whether that'll be available to you or not, or whether you'll choose to do that or not. I mean, you're always going to have the back shoulder game with Pickens. You've got to be able to hit plays down the field. Um, Browns have – Good players at safety for sure. I wouldn't say speed at safety is one of their assets, so perhaps you can take advantage of that to some degree. They're a pretty good tackling team as well um, per uh, pro football reference. They have missed many tackles. They're one of the lowest in terms of yards after catch allowed of all teams. They're actually uh, third best. Yeah, Kansas City's allowed the least. Uh, Cleveland's uh, down there at third um, in terms of yards after catch allowed so far this season uh, as a defense. So they are going to tackle well and rally to the football. Lots of team speed on defense. Their linebackers, that's like their calling card. Um, I'm a big uh, JOK fan and and just a lot of the players in the defense, honestly. So very tough matchup for Pittsburgh. I do think that it's it has, like on paper at least, if you're going to win this game, you need to be able to win up front, I would say, enough like battles. And that's where, like, I think if people looked on paper, they would say Cleveland has a huge advantage there. If Pittsburgh's offensive line can somehow continue to find the way they've been playing a little bit more recently and flip that script a little bit and, and be able to win in the trenches, I think the Browns are going to come out with a serious edge. I think they're going to be really ticked about their situation, everybody counting them out. Um, and I think they're going to take this game. They're going to attack this game from the get-go. It will be very telling to see if Pittsburgh will be able to match that energy coming out because Pittsburgh, after a couple wins, Get, we know over the years can tend to be a much different team than Pittsburgh after a loss that everybody's like ready to give up on them. That's when they shine. But after a couple wins, it does tend to be you come out, you get shocked by a team like this. We've seen the movie before. And I definitely feel like although they have those some areas where they need to can lean on offensively, I think this could be an area they've played a little bit better, but they could I could see them struggling in this game just because the matchup is is so tough for them. It is hard to do the things they want to do against this team and the things that are available to them. I'm just not sure they're going to be able to do well enough. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. For sure, because also going back to kind of how you attack them, I mean, look, they lead the NFL in the rate of cover one um, by about 10% over any other coverage unit in the NFL. Um, You're going to see a lot of single high. It's going to be hard to attack the middle of the field. Um, You know, I guess I should have more kind of focused on up the seams or or around the numbers, just not, you know, back shoulder sideline stuff, because that's just not really how you beat these corners. Um, but yeah, like it's it, it really schematically is not a great matchup, no question about it. The Browns are lead the NFL um, in we have our coverage grade when they had a press coverage look. So if they're up at the line and not letting Deontay Johnson and George Pickens get some separation, pick uh, Kenny's have to throw into some tighter windows, which he does at an extremely high rate, which I actually think is more to do again with the scheme not getting guys open and less of an indictment on him. But but doing this against doing that against this defense is more prone to turnovers and scarier than it is against others. And that has been the one thing Kenny has done is not turn the ball over, um, you know, but, but I think you'd probably take some more explosiveness, some more production in line with a couple more turnovers if, if you could. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're going to see it all from Jim Schwartz. He rotates coverages a ton. I think along those lines, We've talked about pre-step motion a bunch. It's not a fix-all. It's not a cure-all. I think part of the reason they don't do it is because they don't have a good rhythm and timing. They don't have a good timing offense. They probably have too many pre-snap penalties as is. But against this team, helping Kenny diagnose what he's actually looking at by getting by having pre-snap motion to see if they're in man, see if they're in zone, see what's going on, I think is paramount. Because if he has to think post-snap of what am I looking at, he'll, he'll be on the on, on his backside before he even figures that out. No doubt. Um, and I think you have to lean on some of your guys that have gotten here too. You know, if we're talking about uh, who cares what the Browns' strengths are defensively, like if Deontay Johnson, you need to find ways to get him the football more than he's gotten yeah. the football. You know, it goes back and forth each week, right? George Pickens and Deontay Johnson, why are these guys not getting the football more? You've got to find ways to get it to him and manufacture touches even. You know, you've got to find ways to scheme that up for them, get those guys in space and get them playing fast because there's no, you have no other choice. Like that has to be, if you're going to win that way and you're going to account for the Browns pressure being a part of this, remember Deontay Johnson didn't play last time these two teams played. They need, you need to have a lot of answers schemed in so that your offensive line and Kenny Pickett aren't hanging out to dry. You know, you, oh, I guess I want them to take time and try and hit the explosives. You're going to have to pick your spots, but you've also got to have some of the quick game stuff ready to go um, and find ways to get the balls in the hands of your playmakers. And that includes Jalen Warren, by the way, who we hyped up on uh podcast earlier this week. So it's not that there are no answers for the Steelers because they are talented offensively. Like, it's not like I don't think they have a chance talent-wise in this game. 
I just very much doubt that quarterback and coaching are going to be enough to overcome what's on the other side of the ball for Cleveland in terms of talent and coaching as well. Like, I think this is one of the best positional units that we've seen in the NFL is their defense this season with that coach, with Jim Schwartz doing what he's done, what he's done. I think they're just going to be very, very tough for Pittsburgh to solve as Pittsburgh currently constructed. No doubt about it. That is, it's going to be a challenge. Like we've said that uh, every which way we possibly can, but like you did say, that doesn't really change much for the opponent either. Obviously, Cleveland has a better secondary and linebacker play, but um, Dorian Thompson-Robinson is going to be under siege. Steelers now fourth in the NFL in blitz rate, and we have Dorian Thompson-Robinson. Um, even the preseason when he played well was 10 of 25 with a pick against the blitz, had a 36 grade. It was it was ugly. Um, and you saw that again at UCLA as well. When teams brought extra, extra pressure, he just kind of – makes bad decisions is kind of the easiest way to put it. Like I like his tools always have, but um, his issue is, you know, putting the ball in harm's way. And this, this is a game you need to be opportunistic. You need to turn the ball over. Um, no question about it, which I know is how they won the first time. It's how you're going to win this one again. Very unusual the way they played with him the first time he played against Baltimore. He was when he, when he, when they let him operate in play action, he was better. I mean, it wasn't good, but he was better. He avoided mistakes he, it was, like I said, not good across the board, but he was five of six. He didn't throw for very many yards, but he got the ball out. He seemed more comfortable at least doing that. That was only on nine dropbacks that he did that. Um, there is this element of holding the ball with him that I think is going to be coming to play with this. We mentioned the time to throw. He took four sacks in that start against Baltimore. Again, we're extrapolating from one start. But when he went no play action, he was a complete disaster. His turnovers happened then. His turnover worthy plays happened then. It was a mess. He also only ran two screens. Two. The whole game, like I would think that will be a major part of their game. Stefanski is not a bad screen game coach. I would think that will be a major Great. part of their game moving forward this time against Pittsburgh. The other interesting element, when he was under pressure against against Baltimore, which he brought on himself in a large part, holding the ball in these plays almost four seconds, he was he was on pressure under pressure on forty three percent of his dropbacks. He was four of fourteen for fourteen yards. Oh, God. <laughs> now he wasn't good when he was kept clean but he was 16 to 23 for 116 yards and he had his grades were in the greens for y'all he had two turnover worthy plays still but like he was completing passes he was getting the ball out quickly and all those things could work i think pittsburgh being blitzing him mercilessly and confusing him with pre-snap looks is critical to this game. Like, I think you have to make this guy think on the fly and you have to attack him constantly in the pocket. I don't think he's going to be good in that situation. You have to contain him. You have to tackle. You have to be disciplined, those kind of things for sure. But I think he is going to be really rattled if you do that to him. If you sit back and try to play zone and rush four all game, I think it's going to be a challenge. Now, the Browns are also hurting an offensive tackle. I is I don't Wills is not back for this game, but I believe Dewan Jones is tracking. That's my understanding. Yep. Okay. So he's tracking to play which will help them on the right side. It's going to be Jerron Christian on the left side. It's either him or James Hudson. I think that like one of them is dinged up as well. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Hudson I think is, yeah. Oh, man, that's, yeah, they're not very good, I would say. Christian's actually gotten a little better throughout his career, but there's been some real ugly moments as well. So this is where Pittsburgh, like, on paper, they should win this part of the matchup, and they have to, like, if they can pressure Dorian Thompson Robinson, the game to me is over. Like Kenny Pickett would have to have the most disastrous day of his career. If if the Steelers can pressure Dorian Thompson Robinson, he's going to make mistakes. He's going to give the ball up. He's going to take sacks. And I just don't think there's enough there in Cleveland for them to be able to overcome that. So to me, that's one of the most important things. How aggressive are you defensively? 
And then how's the Browns response to that? Like, do they become a pretty passive team on first down so that they stay out of third and long so that they're less predictable on third down, uh, trying to get, you know, six yards every first down and just be living in a down and distance situation that leaves the defense not being able to tee off. Like that's probably a huge part of their approach. They know if they're going to win this game, they're going to probably do it by dominating defensively and take care of the ball offensively. How do they do that with a guy who is, Five turnover-worthy plays in his one start and took four sacks in that start, held the ball forever. Could have been worse in both those departments, to be honest. And that's the thing I think is interesting about this matchup compared to the first one. So I know Nick Chubb got hurt in the game, but you don't have Nick Chubb. And Jerome Ford's box score stats look pretty darn good. He obviously broke off the 75 or whatever it was, 65, 70-yard rush against Pittsburgh. His success rate and cream hunts are very poor, meaning – they have explosives here and there, but on a down-to-down basis, they're getting you one and two yards on first downs, which then would lead to those, you know, second and eight, third and eight opportunities that would really put Dorian Thompson Robinson in harm's way. So, A, I agree with you 110%. I, like I said, Pittsburgh already is top five in blitz rate, but they need to blitz on like 40% of dropbacks in this game. But I also feel that way because – so Joey Porter Jr. wasn't a starter the first time these teams played. And I imagine he's going into Mike Tomlin's office and asking to follow Mari Cooper around in this game, which maybe you let him do. Unlike a DeAndre Hopkins, who is not a great separator, and I think Joey Porter held up fairly well. Obviously had a couple penalties drawn against him, did have one catch where he kind of got burned. But Amari Cooper is going to beat Joey Porter Jr. off the line because he's an infinitely better route runner and separation creator than the current version of DeAndre Hopkins is. So if you don't blitz and you're sitting there in a you know, zone slash JPJ plays press man on his guy, as they tend to do, I think he's going to lose a lot of those reps, as good as I think he is and as good as he's looked. Um, and, and I think DTR will just throw slants to Amari Cooper until the cows come home. So I think pressure is paramount here. Um, but also, yeah, I do wonder what they do. I think I love Stefanski's screen game and, and the packages he has there. I think it'll be a focal point as well. Um you know, Elijah Moore, Amari Cooper, some David, David and Joku's been been, been well doing well uh, in the screen game recently too. So yeah, it's going to be fascinating because it's, it's a very different matchup than the first time these teams played. Yeah. And I mean, man, it's the limitations of, of Thompson Robinson. If they show up the same way again in this game, it's that's going to determine a lot of this matchup, like in, against Baltimore, he are actually in this regular season. He played a little bit in another game too, I believe in this regular season. He's two of 12 on passes beyond 10, 10 yards or more beyond line of scrimmage this season. And he is over four on passes, 20 yards or deeper. And so that could be totally a one game, tiny sample size. The script is going to flip. Like he's not that player at all. He did better than that in preseason. It was preseason. Um, You're facing like two coverages, but I just, I am honestly not sure. Like I actually thought Dorian Thompson Robinson was decent coming out of college. I was like, yeah, I actually could play maybe a little bit in the league. Um, he was pretty bad in that one regular season game. Couldn't you see him coming out though much better? Like looking more like the preseason version of himself yeah. and surprise yeah. people in this game. I don't think that's outside the cards. We don't have a large enough sample size of him being bad for me to be like, he's going to be bad for sure in this game. Like I could see him making a couple throws. I'm not banking on him. I'm betting on it, but I could see that happening and I wouldn't be surprised at that outcome. I don't think. He has the tools. No, he has the arms. The deep, the deep ball passing is important. It's probably, you know, th- there are inaccuracies and there were some, some, some throws on the college tape that were just off, but like he has the tools to do it. I do. I think we shouldn't, we can't totally throw that game away, but again, like the Ravens also made Geno Smith and Jared Goff look like they've never played a game of football in their entire lives. So um, it, it does happen. 
And this secondary is not the Baltimore Ravens secondary. Um, you know, it's, it's a different, different beast entirely. I would say too, like making sure you keep contain, which I think has looked good from, from Watt and Highsmith, you know, the last couple of weeks. But with that in mind, with, without a Holcomb spy type player at your disposal, although also I think Mark Robinson is going to play a ton, not Mark Robinson, uh, Michael Walker is going to play a lot in this game because I think that's kind of what you need. But it goes back to because the edge rushers and the off ball guys are going to always have to worry about his legs. And we're talking about blitzing a ton. I want 12 snaps from Nick Herbig, not four in this game. And like Mar- Marcus Goldman, not just him. Like, I think yeah. you need to rotate defensive line in this game because I think you need to bring pressure a ton. Completely agree. Uh, DTR last game uh, that he played in, only game that he uh, that he saw like a lot of time in or dropped back in, was he had one run. Cleveland needs to use him as a rusher, I think, if they're going to have success. Um, that is has to be a big part of their approach. They really have to have a different approach. And, and something about playing that bad in the last time they didn't have results be that bad, I think will make them go back to the drawing board with Dorian Thompson Robinson and say, we're going to come out in this type of offense and they're not going to have anything. So I would not even expect to see a lot of the ways he was used stay the same in that last game. I think they bought in a little too much to the preseason hype. And now I think they're going to come out and say, we got to build something around this guy. Like we, like he's not ready for to to carry us. So how do we build elements around him that are going to make us successful in a game when he has to start? So I just don't know, although I, I'm, you know, if I'm a Steelers fan, I'm encouraged certainly by the fact that he struggled against Baltimore, but I don't know how much stock to put in that. That's where I get hesitant about this. If I, if you told me he's going to be like that again in this game, I would say, all right, Steelers win. Like there's no way Kenny's going to be this much of a disaster. Right. Right. Like I would be that <laughs> meme, you know, I feel like, but I, yeah. uh, the Anakin meme. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that as it currently sits, I just don't know exactly who he is. And I saw enough flashes in college and in the preseason to wonder if he could settle in a bit and actually play a little bit better than that. And, you know, Kenny's not played well. Like, I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility that they post a pretty comparable performance or that DTR maybe even outplays them or makes a couple more splash plays, which could decide a game like this. Um, Cause I don't think consistency is going to be the thing that decides it. So I am still a little worried despite the fact that this is on paper, a pretty good matchup for Pittsburgh's defense. You know, better than me to the point of how he was deployed. If, he was announced as a starter on Friday. And the thing I read, I was digging up old articles and old tweets was like, they told him on, like he found out on Friday. So they clearly built a game plan during the week around Deshaun Watson and their normal offense. How much do you think they were able to change and cater to DTR skill set in that interim? Not like nothing, a couple plays, a couple scripted plays, like not much, yeah. I assume. <laughs> Right. You one would hope that they would have had some of that stuff ready to go in the event that that something did happen and they did need to play. But yeah, you're right. It it could have influenced things if they really were surprised by that. It could have influenced how much they were able to put in for his specific skill set and his specific strengths and how those might be different than Deshaun Watson. So yeah, it's worth considering. There's just too much unknown for me to like take a lot of stock in what's happened with DTR. And I've seen the Steelers do this too many times to like be like, oh, this should be a walk in the park. Yeah, it should be, but it's not going to be with this team. We know that. So get that out of your head right away. Like this will be a dogfight. Um, and you just don't know what's going to happen in those situations. When you live there all the time, there's too many bounces that could go either way uh, to feel really confident in what um, could happen in those spots. We should mention the Browns rushing attack. I think you talked about them a little bit uh, with Jerome Ford um, this season. Yeah, 16th in the NFL in rush EPA per play. 
uh, this season. I think most people are used to seeing them at the top of the league and then 20th yeah. in success rate rushing. So it's not been the thing they can lean on quite like it has been in the past, but it is still a dangerous run scheme. Um, and if your DBs aren't playing, that's the thing about this this run scheme. Your DBs better be ready to play because the Browns will get out on the edge against you as a run, t- as a run offense. And they didn't. They weren't ready to play last time. Levi Wallace was a disaster. It was a big part of the Browns' success, and uh, we'll see if Joey Porter Jr. and Patrick Peterson can do better this time around. But that's going to be a key element. Hopefully, it has been a key element stressed in practice for the Steelers this week. Because corners, you better be ready to tackle because the Browns are going to make you. That's part of their part of playing them in their offensive approach is making DBs tackle. Yeah, and I guess you know you will get a more Landon Roberts who you know will, will like you need to crack replace and like he's going to just take on blockers and then DBs need to come up and make the tackle. But like you said, they haven't seen a ton of willingness to do that. Um, you know, on the edge at this point this season, um, and filling those outside gaps because yeah, it's an outside zone scheme. They're going to be off tackle. Um, and it worked last time. There's probably no reason not to do it again. Uh, and I think we we will see. Like an element I think we didn't see last time he played against Baltimore. Like, I think we'll see zone read a bunch in this game. Like, I think they are going to use DTR's legs. He's not like, you know, Lamar, Justin Fields, like Josh Allen, whatever. But he's he's a capable runner. Um, And then you set up play action or boot boot action off of it. And he does have a good arm. Um, Yeah, it's not it's not a layup. There's a reason why he's I mean, the, the, the Browns are still favored in, in Las Vegas. Like, it's not. It's a it's a toss up. It's a toss up game. There are ways that we can see how Pittsburgh could easily win it, um, but it doesn't guarantee that's that's what happens. Browns are favored in Las Vegas. The Browns are favored. No, that is don't ever nobody ever ask me about Kenny Pickett again. Like don't ever ask <laughs> me about Kenny Pickett. Again. There's if a great tweet. Guy, uh, yeah, that no, was a well, great tweet where it's like I can say it's I forget who tweeted it. it's like I want to you know big sports gambling guy he goes. I can save NFL organizations a whole lot of time as they're trying to evaluate their quarterback and determine if he's the yeah. guy. If he's not a favorite against, like, like that's basically the whole premise of the tweet yeah. is like, hey, newsflash, Kenny's not yeah, the right. guy. He's an underdog against Dorian Thompson Robinson with his with his third string tackle as the top guy. <laughs> that's so bad. That's so yeah. bad. I mean, yeah. and obviously Vegas could be wrong, and I'm not saying the Steelers. Are yeah, 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 of course. It's just they're not wrong that often. Otherwise, they wouldn't be there. So <laughs> also the total. About. Just because we're talking about it, the total in this game is 33. We're talking like Iowa, you know, Iowa, Nebraska type total uh, in this game. So not a lot of points are expected. Um, if anything, the defenses might be scoring more points than the offenses in this matchup. It's going to be one of those nasty games that we all want to erase from our memory. And like, except for, I guess, whoever wins it. Uh, all right, let's get into our draft here. Steelers, Browns. Oh, man. Who drive the first pick? I think I do this week. Yeah, you do. You do. Oh. So I've got to pick between TJ Watt and Miles Garrett. <laughs> so you call a homer or you get run out of town. So it's like you really you really can't win. This is a hard situation, Brad. Play it safe. I'll be the I'll be the I'll be the you know enemy of the of the fan base. Mm. You're not gonna do it, are you? You're this gonna, is you're actually very interesting. I think Miles Garrett is a better pure pass rusher than TJ Watt. I've said that before. Like if I needed one guy to one pass rush, one rep to save my life, like who would I pick in that situation? I would pick Garrett. Uh um, to to in one one v one situation for a game though, I just think TJ Watt impacts games more like consistently over the years. Like, and I don't say that with a small sample size. I just say that looking at a large sample size of his career, the production is just out of control. Like he could change a game at any single point because of how he is in coverage, how he is batting balls, line of scrimmage. I've never seen a player as impactful at his 
position in those regards as he is. Those kind of things can change games. The tackles for loss consistently and run defense. Like he just makes plays, the force fumbles, like all of that stuff. I just feel like I have in a game like this, especially, which I know we don't take that into account too much. When one play like that can swing things for you, I do tend to lean TJ watches as an overall player. But yeah, if you were asking me just pure pass rush, I think what people watched unbiased and said, just who's the better passers of these two guys and watch the tape of the like best 50 rushes. Most people will be like, give me this freak that's 280 pounds and can bend better than anybody else in the league, despite having the best size of anybody in the league in his position and strength. Like, yeah, I'll take that freak over, over anybody. But I think the rest of it, not that Garrett's even bad in the rest of it. He's good in the rest of it. But Watt is just so unique and such a difference maker over such a sustained period of time that I don't think it's a fluke or luck. He's just that good at creating plays. And so I I will take TJ Watt. But there's my hopefully my explanation keeps me from being labeled too much of a homer. You literally cannot be wrong with this pick. Both of these players are excellent, and there are really good arguments for both of them. I think they're probably like first and second defensive player of the year uh, conversation right now. On the point you made, I, I was having a conversation with a coworker, like actually in friends too. Like Miles Garrett is probably one of the most gifted athletes walking the face of the earth. Like not NFL, like just the, the size, speed, athleticism combo. There's clips of him playing basketball and he is like, has a jumper, has like, tech, you know, like, but also of course can just throw down on people. Like he is, I love having conversations like that of guys that like transcend the sport and are just like how big, fast, explosive he is, but still having the bend Obviously, there's videos of him, you know, like like mugging the A-gap and doing all crazy different things that you've kind of asked to see more of from T.J. Watt. But, yeah, you can't go wrong either way. Um, I will obviously be taking Miles Garrett uh, with the second pick. <laughs> I I appreciate the pick of Garrett. I think, obviously, that's the, the next choice here. I feel like after this, the Browns roster, like who who's next, is going to be a tricky and interesting conversation to me. The guy that I'll take next, I think, is going to be Cam Hayward. He's getting back. He's not there all the way yet, but he's getting back healthy. I could see this being the breakout performance for him. Browns have a couple of really good guards, but I could still see this being a breakout performance for him um, in this game. Like he's he's getting back to that level. I think he's a true difference maker. He was really good against the run last week. Made some great stops. I think this week he comes together as a pass rusher. He gets some of that burst back, um, getting back to 100% resting this week. And so I'll take Cam Hayward with the second pick. Very fair. Obviously, Minko, your your auto selection is not playing in this game. Um, or we don't think he is, right? He might, but probably not. Who is that you said? Yeah, Minka. We don't know if he's playing. Yeah, Minka, no, it sounds like he's not playing in this game. So he's I would take playing. him off the table. Yeah, gotcha, purposely. gotcha. It is interesting where to go with the next pick for Cleveland specifically. I mean, they have a lot of dudes. Like, they're one of those rosters where, like, if you did a dude off, which is what we're doing, basically, uh, I do think they're they're one of the better ones. I'll go with Denzel Ward here. I'll get a corner behind my guy, Miles Garrett. Um, you know, I think a, a guy that is left on an island in single coverage as much as any corner in the NFL um, can play up and press, can play, you know, if they run a cover three or quarters or, or cover, you know, cover two, um, I think is also capable of playing off and, has good lateral agility, you know, I think a good guy at diagnosing, reading and reacting on top of just being physical and having bump and run, you know, trail technique. Like, he can do it all. Um, I'll take Denzel Ward. Yeah, good pick. I mean, I'm just very happy to not see Denzel Ward, like, playing on the moon anymore and playing zone coverage 15 yards off the ball. Like, yes. those days were just pure pain watching that one. You have one of the guys with the best, some of the best man-to-man skills that we've seen that's a top-end pick, and you're playing him – and no man's land and zone cows is bizarre to watch for years. Like it's him just be completely wasted. Um, 
Okay, Dunsell Ward, Miles Garrett for you. TJ Wan Cam Hayward for me. I'm gonna feel like a homer if I continue to go this direction. I'm actually gonna take Amari Cooper here. I think he's. I used to say Amari Cooper was overrated when people would put him in the conversation for top five wide receiver in the league. Now I actually think he's underrated a little bit. Like I think he's a really good play, football player, and nobody talks about him anymore. Like when he was in Dallas, everybody's like, "I can't believe Dallas got this you know, for that trade or whatever." And I was like, "I don't really think he's the answer." He had a good year there, but. I was like, I don't know if I would have given that up for him and and, and got lambasted for it. Maybe I was wrong. Like he did have the one the good year there, and he could have been a part of success. They ultimately move on. The Browns get him for like nothing. I think he's still a really, really good football player, despite not having great quarterback situations since he arrived there. Um, so yeah, I'll go with Cooper with my third pick. I cannot agree more with everything you just said. Like it's the the pendulum has swung now to where I think he's underrated after years of probably being a little bit overrated. Um yeah. he was gonna be my yeah, he was gonna be my pick. So I, I definitely think that's a good one. Uh, check another receiver on the board. Attack the positions here. Highsmith still out there. Ooh, yeah, I'll get you're right. I'll pair I'll pair Highsmith with Miles Garrett. Um, that is a good shout. Um, this defense, I'm all I'm all defense to start. You got pretty pretty nice defense, no doubt. Um, hmm. Yeah, I think I will go. Hmm. I'm like I'm gonna go George Pickens here. I feel like every week I go back and forth between whether I want Pickens or, or Johnson more. I think Pickens is gonna have a better game in this one. I knew you were gonna pick one of the two, and that's why I was like, all right, I'll, I'll take the other. I'm trying to think. I don't know. I feel like I like Deontay more in this matchup specifically. Hmm. Um, I mean, it's probably more tied to Kenny than it is tied to the actual receivers. Like, I think in a, in a vacuum, I probably would agree with you. I think Kenny will just know that Deontay has separation and probably just throw it to him like whenever he feels pressure coming. Um, anyway, I will take Mr. Deontay Johnson. Okay, that comes back to me, and I am going to go with – I'm going to go with Wyatt Teller. Big I was going to – I love I'm it. I was going to rip people's face off. Yeah, and I was going to go with the other Cleveland Browns guards. I'll take Joel Batonio at left guard. I guess less of a rip face off guy. I think a better pass protector than Teller. Both are awesome. Um, yeah. Both not having the best of years this year. They've been good. Their, their yeah. floor is extremely high. Um, but yeah, I could, couldn't go wrong with those two. I had a feeling those guys were about to go all back to back. Yeah, we're kind of in that range where like, how much do you trust each of these players? Because you're right. Those guys haven't had their best years. Other years, I may have taken them even a tad higher. Right. How much do you trust some of these other players? I feel like we're kind of in that range of, of this thing. Um, this would be the point in time of the draft in which I step forward and take one Joey Porter Jr. Okay. Okay. I'm doing it. I thought he was safe for a little longer. At some point, but... at some point Joey Porter Jr. has to play bad for me not to take him this high. Like, play bad. Have a bad game and I won't take you. But, like, right now, it's hard not to draft a guy who's young and has only played good games. Like, I'm just saying. No, it's 100% true. It's 100% true. And I think really, like, people keep highlighting the, the penalties and stuff. Like, yeah, he's grabby. He was grabby in college, too. But I think it's honestly, I think, as we talked about on the pod earlier this week, like, I think you are seeing his confidence level go up. And I think those penalties will go down um, as a result. So I did think you were going to go this direction, though. My pass rush is going to be gnarly. Um, older guy, but give me Zadarius Smith. I got a trio of Miles Garrett, Alex Highsmith, and Zadarius Smith. I'll kick, I'll kick Zadarius inside on pass rush downs. Um, uh, give me Zadarius. Oh, I can't, I can't wait to see you do that. Uh, when's that gonna happen? <laughs> uh, my fantasy team, <laughs> <The> hypothetical. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Okay, good call. Like Z Smith's game a lot. Uh, I'll go the other way. Stay on the D line and go the other side. The other team with uh, Keanu Ben from the Steelers. Yeah, I got both both my favorite two Steelers rookies right now, so I'm I'm feeling good. Yeah, you know I wanted Keanu. I'll take Davin Tomlinson, uh, and just because I feel like that's we're kind of rounding out the defensive line to uh, selections here. Great run defender, super super consistent player. I always loved about him. Like, does he have the highest ceiling? No, but I think he's like one of the more reliable, consistent dudes in the NFL uh, across three teams now, um, and has a little bit more pass rush juice. I thought it was bizarre that Minnesota played him so much at three tech because they had Harrison Phillips to play one tech. Like I think he belongs as more of a one technique, but I think it actually has made him a better football player because it's kind of rounded out his skill set. Um, anyway, I'll take Dalvin Thompson. Good one. I like Dalvin Thompson as well. I thought that was a great pickup by Cleveland in the offseason. I will go with Jalen Warren here. I think he's just a really good player. And I know running backs don't matter. I get it. I understand. I just really like him, so I'm taking him. You, you let the record show that you you always say that I've never said that on this podcast. I might think it, I might and believe I it. But it. I, <laughs> yeah, that too. Oh my goodness. Okay, interesting. I got some options here. Yeah, this is tricky. It is tricky because it's funny too. Because I, I think both of us do this where we just get into like, how much am I going to tether to my draft takes? I'll do it. I'll take a draft, darling. He's having, I think, a great year this year. Um, former LSU safety Grant Delpit. I think he has taken that step this season. Um, probably a lot to do with Jim Schwartz. Um, it's cr- really, really good athlete, versatile. I think you probably want him more as a deep third ball hawk type guy, but that, you've seen more from Schwartz of kind of moving him around, bringing him down in the box, doing different things, playing on the slot a little, a little bit as well. Um, I was between him and Newsom, who I also loved at Northwestern, but I'll, I'll take Grant Delpit. Grant Delpit, by the way, one of the many draft prospects who have blocked me on Twitter. Um, <laughs> despite the fact that when he first started playing at LSU and playing well, I was one of the first draft people, one of his first games he ever played. I was like, I cut up a bunch of clips and I was like, this guy, he's a freshman, I think, right? I'm from remembering correctly, true, true yeah. freshman. And I was like, this guy's going to be special. Like, he's so good. And I continue to think that. And then his last year of college just fell off a cliff. He, he was yep. not very good. Yep. He didn't tackle well. He didn't cover well. He looked like a bad athlete. I don't think he tested that great from what I recall or was hurt. Less, not as good as we thought. Cause he was a guy where it's like his penultimate college season, he was getting mocked like top five. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and, then, and then the yeah. last season it was like when he went to second yeah. round and then he wasn't very good in the NFL for years. He, it he like was he, not, he was not like not going to be the guy. And now he's had this late, like what's third year is like he's third year breakout. Season. Yep. Yeah. He missed time his rookie year because of injury, but he still played about half a season. And this third year he's had this big glow up. And now he's having a really good year in coverage and um, definitely has some of those balking tendencies that I saw originally. It's very weird. You don't normally see a player go that many years between their peak performance and then matching that peak with another year. And especially at the NFL higher level is a very weird career trajectory. We'll see if he can sustain this, obviously 493 snaps so far this season. So there's still, you know, the sample size isn't huge if he's going to keep in a really good player, but he's definitely played well this season and, that's a good shot there to, to take him. Um, I blame, yeah, I blame Joe Woods. That, that'll be my cop out. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's a good call. Actually, that's <laughs> pretty, pretty good call. Who was it? Who was it? Is last year at LSU was that the really good team, Joe Burrow and everybody? Or was it the year uh, before that? I think he. No, he's a twenty. That's a good question. Actually, what draft? What draft remember. class was he? He may have been Let's in see. the twenty nineteen draft class. No, no, no. He was there. He he had to have been there. Yeah, yeah he won the national draft class. Yeah, so he won. He won. He won a natty. Yeah, so he yeah. was with Ed. That defense. Uh, yep. Who was that defense yep. coordinator again? Uh, I can picture him. Aranda, right? Um, yeah, Dave what is Aranda. His name? Yeah, 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 Dave Aranda. Yeah, who's at Baylor now? Yeah. Baylor, yeah, that's what I thought, yeah. 
Okay. Um, enough uh, tangents there. I'm going with <laughs> yeah. Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa, who is one of my biggest draft crushes probably ever. And one of the players that I admitted going into it, I was like, I get it. If he hits, he's a huge outlier. I just freaking love his game. He's a missile. He plays hard. He hits hard. He knows how to get under blocks. When you're a linebacker, period, you have to learn how to play around and through blocks rather than stack and jet. Everybody's always like, oh, does he stack and jet? Does he? People don't stack and jet in today's NFL. Like hardly anybody <laughs> does. So how do you beat blockers to spots? Do you play through them? Do you play under blocks? I just felt like he had all those capabilities. If any small linebacker was going to make it, he was going to be the guy that makes it. It's taken a little bit of time and him to get healthy, but he's been awesome this season. So I'm happy to get him at this range in the draft. Yeah, there's like five Alan and Roberts in the NFL at this point. Like that's not, <laughs> yeah, right. It's not a thing. Yeah, like it's not a thing people do anymore. Like even the, even the great linebackers. I used to complain about Roquan not doing it. I obviously yeah. would love to have him on the Bears uh, today. <laughs> um, this is your yeah. penultimate pick, by the way. Okay, I appreciate that that tip off there. So that was going to be my pick for sure. Um, I'll take Greg Newsom. He's playing the slot a bunch now. He can play both slot and outside, but they have made him kind of their slot guy. With Martin, the emergence of Martin Emerson, um, I like a lot of like players left. Like Shelby Harris, good player. Probably some more offensive line guys that could get taken. But um, I'm, 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 yeah, I was super duper high on New Smith Northwestern though. Um, I don't even know if he likes playing the slot. I don't know if I like, I like him playing in the slot, but he's still been solid. Yeah, and Joku's here. Broderick Jones is still available. It could be a good pick here. Um, Hey, I like a Landon, so I'm not going to take him, but I just want to shout him out. Um, I'm going Chris Boswell, though, man. Like, as long as we're including kickers, this guy's unbelievable. Like, the career he's had, the where he came from, Rice, and nobody had even heard of him, and the Josh Scobie thing failed after Swejum gets hurt. In the, it was just, like, the weirdest trajectory. And all of a sudden, this kicker rises up out of the ashes, and he's been one of the best kickers in franchise history. Maybe the best in franchise history. I'd have to, like, go look at the numbers on that, but definitely up there. One of the Got best kickers. League throughout his career, like you really can't say enough good things about Chris Boswell. I mean, he has been just unbelievable for this team. So, yeah, I'm uh, I'm going Chris Boswell with my last pick. Did they trade like a fourth round pick for Scoby after the whole Swedish thing? I don't remember the the pick, but I remember that they Scobie panicked in like four games. <laughs> look, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll look it up while you're thinking of your look it up. Bob. Yeah, I will go with Njoku. We talked about um, a guy that. I don't know if I had an opinion coming out, but I was surprised with his extension when he got it. He'd missed time. I mean, the guy's an athletic specimen, too. He wears, like, as little clothing as possible when he's on the field, which I probably would, too, if I, if I look like him. Um, but, uh, like, he's been good, man. Like, he's had a very good year. A lot of it is kind of check down and, and yards after the catch stuff. But he can break tackles. More so, I guess, he can just break through tackles and run dudes over um, or, like, jump over players. But particularly recently, he's been really, really important for this team. The last four or five weeks, um, you know, has at least four or five catches a game, 50, 60 yards a game, um, has found pay dirt recently. I'll take David and Joke. Nice. By the way, they traded a sixth-round pick for Josh Scobie. Oh, not too bad. Three or four games, maybe? I'm trying to remember. Yeah, that's okay, though. <laughs> pretty good. Pretty good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This is year, what is this, year eight of Chris Boswell? Nine? One, two, three? Definitely up there. Nine, yeah, year nine of Chris Boswell. So pretty good. Pretty good career. Um, That's it. That's our 10-man teams. You got Miles Garrett, Denzel Ward, Alex Highsmith, Deontay Jones, Joel Batonios, Darius Smith, Dalvin Tomlinson, Grant Delpit, uh, Greg Newsome, and David Njoku. You took almost all Browns. Eight Browns to two Steelers. Oh, no. Oh, no. 
I've got Watt, Hayward, Cooper, Pickens, Teller, Porter, Benton, Warren, JOK, and Chris Boswell. So I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven Steelers to three Browns. So we, man, I look like a real homer there, but I I don't think either of us were out of pocket. No, I think every time it was like we would get into a situation where it was like two obvious picks and one of us just, I think, happened to take the one or the other. Like it was, that was probably one of the easier ones I think we've done where like there was enough talent to actually do it because both these teams have like premier talent on the roster. Uh, Clown play player of the game. Oh man. This you can't pick a quarterback, <laughs> so that makes it hard because they're probably yeah, it's probably going to be a quarterback. Um, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I think Dan Moore's getting pants by Miles Garrett. That's that should be a, a, no, a no fly zone, too. That's that's a free square. Um, yeah, that's true. All right, let me go harder. Let me get some harder. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I can't think of no, go with it. Take, you that take just it. It's obvious to me. Yeah, it's I a thought of Levi. Right. Levi, Levi, Dan Moore, Mason Cole, I think will struggle with Shelby Harris and Dalvin Thompson a good bit in this game as well. Um, I don't don't want to take another offensive lineman though, too. I'll take, I'll take a Brown too. Let's mix it up. Um, A Brown clown. Um, A Brown clown. Yeah. A Brown clown. I need a Brown clown for this game. I mean, they get some good players. Um, how about one of those? You can pick one of those tackles. You can pick yeah. running yeah, back, fumbling just... away. Oh. Yeah, give me actually, yeah, yeah. Marty drop. Give me no, give me Elijah Moore. He'll have a he'll have a key drop over the middle. Oh, that'll that'll oh happen. He'll hear the footsteps. Draft crush. Yeah, me All too. Right, we loved him at Ole Miss. Loved him. Yeah. Loved him, dude. Um okay, so Elijah Moore, he's the clown. Uh splash play player of the game. I am going to go in this one with I'm going to go with Amari Cooper actually. I think he's going to have an awesome game and light these fools up, which I don't enjoy saying that, but I think it's going to happen. I do too. I think he's going to have like 10 for 100. Uh I really do. But I'll go Jalen Warren. I think he's going to and he frankly has to to win this game, I think. Break like Four, five, six tackles in this game. Just be dancing and you know, dance, dance revolution, Jalen, as we've seen. I hope so. I hope so. That'd be fun. He's got that in him, and they probably need it the way that they're going to produce offense. They're going to need somebody to make a couple special plays, I think, against yes. Steve. Uh, we'll be telling which way this thing goes. I'm nervous. I'm not going to say who I think is going to win because I don't want people to attack me. That tells you, I guess, what you need to know. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, we've seen this movie before, so hopefully the Steelers can rewrite the script and have it close in a different way. Win this game, and I start to feel pretty good that they're going to make the playoffs. Is that a good thing? Is that a good thing for the franchise? Uh, I don't know. Uh, that'll be an interesting discussion for another podcast, Brad. But looking forward to it. Next week we come back, we'll talk about this game, break it down in depth offense, defense, as we always do to start the week, and then preview the upcoming game against the Bengals and figure out who the heck's playing quarterback for Cincinnati next week. That'll be part of our – Thanksgiving week festivities. I don't know how many pods we'll do next week just because Thanksgiving holidays. And I know we're probably, I mean, I don't know if you're traveling. We'll talk about all that stuff, but we'll get something out for y'all. Don't y'all worry till next time. Appreciate y'all. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of the Yins No Ball podcast.